Oh my gosh. Looks like a weekend to me. I'm Ward Berge. Little movie rap. Yo. David Lynch never gave an inch like Hedwig. Not the owl, but I bet Frig. Yes, I'm on the mic with some movie rhymes, cause it's the weekend. We're having groovy times and fast ones like Ridgemont High. Spider Woman's not who you wanna kiss from, guy. Hyundai Mercedes, I don't drive either. Thumbs up, rest in peace, Roger Ebert. I'm not your teacher, but I'm here with Mark Palermo. We're gonna stir the pot like you got Paderno. Scarecrow, Tin Man, or the Lion. Rapping about movies, I'm not even trying. Wise like a wise guy in good fellas. Don't like it? Wish you would tell us. I don't get jealous, but I get jello. My least favorite jelly bean flavor is yellow. Fun is number one. That's Bergie's code. Movie of the year? Come on. Fury Road. Though I'm pretty psyched for Force Awakens, and I'd watch if they made a fourth of Takens. Yeah, you know, what does that sentence mean? It's Weekend at Bergie's, episode 17. We are back. Happy Thanksgiving. Whether you're eating turkey or tofurkey. Hi, say yo, Bergy. Yo, yo to yourself. Happy, happy Thanksgiving to all my fellow Canadians. Why? Because you can't borrow a thanks. No, you can have one. Thanks. There you go. It's not thanks lending, right? Oh, you missed that, didn't you? You missed it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Look, As soon as I said we would be back every month, I go and take two months off. I apologize. I I released the new record. Thank you to everyone who checked it out. Released the new comic book. Thanks to everyone who checked it out. And it's just, it's been kind of crazy. And I haven't had a weekend to sit down with uh, you and or other people from Earth until now. But we've, we've done it. We're here. We've got Mark Palermo here. Old, old friend of mine. We grew up, we went to high school together. St. Pat's. We're going to get into all of that. Some of you may have even gone to school with us. If you're tuning in now, you may know. <laughs> but yeah, Palermo and I go way back. And other than going to high school together, this man wrote a movie called Detention. You may have seen it. Yeah, that one. That Detention with Joseph Kahn. We're going to talk about that for sure. He's also he reviewed movies for years and years at the coast. If you were in Halifax and picked up a free newspaper from 2000 to 2010, you no doubt read one of his movie reviews. He was very prolific. His reviews were featured on Rotten Tomatoes. He's also worked on music videos for, well, a few people you might have heard of. Uh, Word Burglar and Mariah Carey. So, interesting. Yeah, it's true. We're We're gonna talk about all that. Don't you worry. And Mark is just a generally hilarious human who I quite enjoy talking about the films of cinema with (laughs) because those are my favorite films the ones of cinema (laughs) it is great to be back here if this is your first time tuning in to weekend at bergie's welcome and where have you been we got 16 other crazy episodes you better go back and check them all out they're a lot of fun sometimes we have guests sometimes it's just you and i hanging out but it's always a good time and you know If you need a weekend, we've always got one for you here. Because we're not just giving thanks. We're giving weekends. (laughs) What? All the weekends you can handle. Here, you want some gravy on that weekend? All right, we'll do that for you. Hey, thanks for coming out to all these shows over the last few months. Gus's Pub, The Garrison, Word on the Street, Decaf, Fan Expo, Nerd Noise Night. It has been crazy. 
since last we spoke, Rancho Relaxo closed. Yeah, at the end of August. Those of you in Toronto may have heard this. And those of you who have never been to Rancho Relaxo, I'm sorry. Sorry you never got the chance. Uh, a lot of people have been asking what's going to happen with the $5 rap show. As you know, it has uh, made its home at Rancho for the last five and a half years. Well, I got good news for you. We have found a new venue. And as of right now, I'm making the announcement. Yeah, we're going to do that. The $5 rap show will be returning Thursday, December 10th at Handlebar which is at 159 Augusta Avenue, right in the heart of Kensington Market, Toronto. And it's only about a five-minute walk from where Rancho was. So how about that? Huh? We're listening. We're listening to you. We're listening to our hearts. We're listening to the beat of the raps that we want to bring you. So for five bucks, you should come see us. Thursday, December 10th. It's going to be a stacked lineup. More details soon. But mark that in your calendar. Speaking of marking things, why don't we mark a person named Palermo? <laughs> Mark Palermo. Mark Palermo is he's a man who enjoys a good movie. And if you have ever seen a movie in your life, I think you might have one or two things in common. So <laughs> let's get into it and be sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode. You know we always play a little track for you, so got something lined up I think you might enjoy. Hope you stick around. So this is Weekend at Bergie's on the Modern Superior Podcast Network. Be sure to check out all the shows at modernsuperior.com. And you can even join us at the Royal Cinema for a screening of The Serpent and the Rainbow on October 27th, which is a Tuesday. So maybe we'll see you there. I'll be there. We're going to do a live podcast taping afterwards. So uh, you may want to come check it out. So look into that. All right, enough ado. Let's get uh, into a talk with a dude. (laughs) What? Guys, I'm just excited. His movie, Detention, is now on Netflix, which you can go watch right after you listen to this podcast. He's right here, right now, my old pal, Mark Palermo. Oh, my God. Well, definitely, man, you know so much more about rap than me, but I will say my favorite rapper is Ice Cube. Great voice, great delivery. Ice like, Cube's son is playing uh, Ice yeah, Cube. Yeah, yeah, Ice Cube's son is Ice Cube. That guy has some weird name. Doesn't he like OMG? Ice Cube a Gooding Jr.? <laughs> I don't know. Ice Cube a Gooding Jr. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's weird. Mark Palermo, old, old, old friend. Since the dawn of time. Well, since uh, going over 20 years, probably. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you wanna... I can tell that story of how I met you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were in school together. That's true. The school board of Nova Scotia forced us to attend the same building. We were in grade 10. I came from Fairview Junior High. Which junior high were you from? Goresbrook. Goresbrook. And we went to the same high school, which is grade 10. the first year of high school here. And uh, yeah, there was this guy. There was these new kids in class. And there was this one guy, Sean Jordan, who was kind of like a a jokester. I would say that to you. And then we went on, like, I think on our biology class, we went on a field trip to Peggy's Cove to look at some rocks or snails or something. And then, like, on the bus ride home, I started talking to you about, like, Pulp Fiction. And you're like, ah, man, this Palermo guy is kind of (laughs) cool. And I I knew right off the bat, like, you had a great sense of humor. You were one of the first people I knew who collected 
VHS tapes back um, in the day. That's true, which was probably um, not the most kind of worthwhile hobby to have in the long run. But yeah, <laughs> but in a way, I feel it sort of helped me like in, in the things I do by like watching the same movies over and over again. I don't think like kids growing up do that anymore. There's just too much stuff. But you know, you had one movie, you watched it 20 times, you knew everything about it. It's the same with music. Because, you know, an album costs like $15. You didn't have 100 other options. Even if you didn't like the album you buy, you had to listen to it. You know, and, and you, got, you got to learn it. <laughs> you had, yeah, exactly. Like, well, I got this for one song, but now I know every track. Yeah, right? yeah. So I don't know if people can really sort of study pop culture that closely anymore. That's interesting. With the VHS tape, it was more, okay, Blade Runner is never going to be on TV. So if I want to right. watch Blade Runner, I need to buy a copy of yes. this. And if you want to see it uncut, especially, yeah. Yeah, the director's cut. Those were a big deal. And this was when videotapes, a VHS, new VHS was maybe $20, $30 or something. The Blade Runner one, it's interesting you bring that up. I remember that was a really expensive tape to buy, but it was like, it was available for sale. You saw it on shelves, but it was like $39.99 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in widescreen. Well, I built my VHS collection with the Columbia House Videotape Club. Were you ever a member uh, of that? Yeah, I was actually. I, I think got it was a lot seven videos for a dollar, and then you had to buy yep, yep. five more in the next three years at regular price, which was ridiculous. Do <laughs> uh, you remember what some of the videos you would have got then were? Well, yeah, I I'm, I'm, think I have. I had a lot of movies that were from like that early 90s period that I got. So I had like Reservoir Dogs, I had Dazed and Confused, I had Clerks, I had Carlito's Way. Yeah, I don't know. It was always just like Christmas every time that stuff arrived. Oh, yeah. Well, you get a huge box. I, I think I, I filled it out under different names and you get different. <laughs> okay, now I got I got the Star Wars trilogy, the, the original, before yeah. they did the, the special effects. Indi- the Indiana Jones movies. Awesome. And it, yeah, yeah, just the classics. The stuff you wanted on your shelf. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was weird. People didn't really start buying movies that much, it seemed to me, until like DVDs came out. And then you know there was that golden era of DVDs where everyone had movie collections all of a sudden. Well, there was a McDonald's promotion, I think, for movies. Maybe Wayne's World or something. Or E.T., actually. Oh, yes. I think we got E.T. at McDonald's for like $5 when you bought Somebody a Happy Meal. mentioned this to me recently. Yeah. I, I only sort of remember it happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you're a big E.T. fan, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. E.T. was the second movie I saw in the theater. Yeah. So. Amazing. So, growing up in Halifax, where would you have seen this? Well, this is Highland, the Highland Theater? Well, I was, I was born in Calgary, actually. Okay. So, I saw E.T. in Calgary. But... I don't, I don't remember what theater it was at. But yeah, I moved to Halifax when I was five, so still some of the first movies I saw were here. You know, the Highland Theater, which was at the Rotary. I don't remember too many movies I saw there. I know I saw Short Circuit there, and I know I saw The Lamb Before Time there. Now, the Highland Theater, for those listening who may not remember it or may not be from Halifax, it burned down. It did. And the interesting story is, according to legend, it Popcorn machine caught fire and it burned down during a screening of Backdraft. <laughs> Backdraft is a movie about fires. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I have heard that legend, but I didn't know it was a popcorn machine, too. I think that's what happened. The weird thing is, like, I mean, I was still like, you know, 12 years old at that time, but I don't remember like people making a big deal out of it either. It's like, well, the Highland's gone. <laughs> Just another thing. Yeah, yeah. In in Halifax these days, I've always loved going to see movies at the Oxford Theater. Right, yeah. Do you have any fond memories of the Oxford? Oh, yeah, sure, for many. sure. Well, I think the first movie I saw the Oxford was The Princess Bride. Sick. And um, Mandy Patinkin? Yeah, yeah, and that was great. It's always like, you know, my favorite place to watch a movie in Halifax is from like the front row of the balcony of the Oxford. 
literally feels like you know you're like Dracula in an old movie watching a movie up there. I don't know, um, and that's pretty. That's really cool. But yeah, I've seen some great movies at the Oxford. I remember like actually when Bram Stoker's Dracula opened. I remember like the lineup around the block for that, and kind of being so relieved that it wasn't restricted here. And I remember like going to see Schindler's List there. Yeah, just a lot of like really great stuff. Yeah, I have great memories of the Oxford Theater, Park Lane, many, many films at Park Lane. Yep, yep. Were you with me when we tried to sneak into Species and we were underage and got kicked out? (laughs) (laughs) No, I was not. (laughs) Species, the alien movie with the naked woman running around. Um, I remember Natasha. Natasha Henstridge. Yeah. Um, And I think there's a scene where they show her boobs for five seconds so it was restricted but <laughs> um, we got busted and kicked out and then i went to go see it at penhorn and dartmouth because they didn't care oh yeah, Pen, how old penhorn. you were. I feel like doesn't yeah, even it's matter it's kind of weird because you can see like worse things on youtube now yeah <laughs> i remember like getting kicked out of the theater um seeing like i remember trying to go see natural born killers a couple times and getting kicked out and then i finally got to see it one time i don't know how but the guy that used to kick me out of those movies like he knows me now and I don't think he knows that he he doesn't remember me from like all the times he kicked me out like, <laughs> when I was 15 or whatever. But Penhorn that was like a great theater. I saw so much there in in Dartmouth. Yeah. That, that theater's gone now. Penhorn and the Casino. The Casino? My earliest Halifax memories were probably at the Casino or the Highland. I saw okay. the Peanut Butter Solution at the Casino Theater in Halifax oh my on Godogen. <laughs> And do you have you've seen that movie? Uh, yeah, not in the theater though. That was a traumatizing experience. <laughs> it was it was presented as some sort of like some peanut butter company had done a mm. a co-sponsorship of this movie so all the kids got free peanut butter and we went and saw sure. this movie and if you haven't seen the peanut butter solution listeners, it is one of the most traumatizing films that I of my childhood scared it's about this kid who gets so scared that he loses all his hair and then he's visited in a dream by the witches or ghosts <laughs> who tell him that he can grow his hair back if he takes all these dead bugs and mixes them up with peanut butter and rubs it on his head and then he does it and his hair doesn't stop growing and he gets kidnapped by a, some crazy french teacher who starts <laughs> who straps him down to a table and makes paintbrushes out of this kid's oh, hair yeah, yeah. it's really really out there but Th- this was like crazy french canadian cinema yeah yeah i remember we watched that in fifth grade but yeah i didn't get to see it in the theater oh what man. A, was yick from degrassi yeah. the original degrassi was yeah. his friend in there right yeah he was in it and yeah. a few other actors that you you kind of recognize what was what's interesting about it because I, I did go back and re-watch it a couple years ago all of the the children in the movie are written like they're adults so their dialogue is is extremely advanced and right, right. they have these really deep conversations and he the kid's older sister, who's eight or nine, is running the house and making dinner for everybody. It's it's, it's a real world. It's got a, strange. A, an edgy realness to it while being completely bizarre children's film. It's so weird. It's like I, I go to the United States pretty frequently, and I, like I get the impression there that like they think that since I'm from Canada, I'm like more out of touch with like U.S. pop culture than they are. But I'm not. I know all that stuff. But the thing is, when you grow up in Canada, you also have all the crazy Canadian pop culture. And that stuff is insane. It's like, you know, when you're a kid, it's like all the TV shows are about like grownups talking to puppets. You think that you're going to get older and start talking to puppets too. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like Labyrinth or like, something? Like Labyrinth, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just like, you know, the um, the public service announcements on TV here are, are so scary and weird. It's just like, it's like a landmine of like crazy stuff you could land on that would traumatize you. 
And yeah, it's like movies like The Peanut Butter Solution. And, and there was that other one, La Guerre de Touc, The Dog Who Stopped oh, the War, yeah. which I think was the same company. It's and, a uh, heartbreaking movie. Yeah, it really is, yeah. But a great, great kids movie. And, yeah, La Guerre de Touc. Did you realize early on that movies were going to be a part of your life? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I had like really had like big future plans right away, but I knew like I was obsessed with movies before I, I like had ever seen one because like I didn't know what they were. And I remember like my brother and my dad going to see Superman 2 in Calgary and like I, I was like too young to go and I was like, what's a movie like the Superman movie that somebody made? That's crazy. Even back then it was like when a, a movie was made about Superman or something like, oh, crazy. Somebody made a movie about Superman, but now that's every movie. But back then it was like really crazy and, and like an interesting thing. And there was a, a sort of magic to movies also because you didn't know how they worked. You know, like the how the special effects are done was like always sort of a mystery. Now, now they're all done on computers and I don't, I don't know, like special effects look better now, but there's not as much kind of magic behind them in a way when, when you don't know when movie magic was actually a thing. You mentioned Labyrinth earlier and like, mm. like when I saw that movie a couple of years ago, um, like one cool thing about it is like all the places they are, like except for some map paintings, they're mostly like physical places that you could go to if you, if you were there and you wanted to. And yeah, like a new movie, the um, Jupiter Ascending, which I just saw, it, it is kind of just all computer graphics and things. There's not really that sort of physical presence to them. Did you like it? I haven't seen it yet. I wasn't bored by it. I don't especially think it's good, but uh, I don't know. I think it has interesting aspects without really working, if that makes sense. <laughs> With all the movies that you've ever watched and had to review, has there ever been one year that you've thought this year had way better movies other year oh my god that's a that's a tough question um there definitely have been years like that 1999 was a great movie year but that was like the first year i started reviewing so i only kind of reviewed the last half of that year i think the first movie i reviewed was um austin powers 2 which came out that summer but 99 was an amazing movie year because you know you had like the matrix which was like the last sort of blockbuster and then an era before like people knew everything about movies before they opened because the internet sort of changed that. Right. Um, yeah, I didn't know anything about The Matrix. Went in. Yeah, yeah, nobody did. It was like a real phenomenon that just wasn't kind of pre-hype. Like every movie these days is just pre-hype. So there was that, you know, Fight Club opened. South Park was that summer. I, I don't know. It was just, it was like a, a pretty amazing time. Um, 99, yeah. 99 was a good one. I don't know. A lot of the other years kind of get confused. Um, I think 2007 was kind of cool because there were like these three westerns that were like among the best movies of the year it was like no country for old men and there will be blood and assassination of jesse james like that was pretty exciting hmm i don't know so i review movies mainly through like the first 10 years of the 2000s and it's sort of hard for me to think of that movie era specifically like what it meant or anything yet mm. how many movies do you think you watched in that oh thousands thousands <laughs> I, I used to do lists like in the coast of like every movie I saw that year ordered from best to worst and there would often be like, you know, 350 of them per year. So can you remember everyone or do I can usually tell you if I've seen a movie or not, but there've been a couple times lately where I couldn't remember the names of certain movies. So I don't know, like I can remember seeing them, but I can't tell you anything that happened in some of them. <laughs> and it was weird. I was just talking to our friend, Mike, Mike Holmes uh, on his, his uh, Facebook page, Stephen Cook, who's another critic, was complaining about the M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Village. And I responded to him like, you may not have liked The Village, but I can guarantee you that you remember it very clearly. And I can't say the same for certain other movies in 2004 that I actually liked. So That's uh, a brilliant observation. 
Right. Because I agree. I've seen The Village. I wasn't super crazy about it. I felt it was a bit of a letdown towards the end. I, I agree, yeah. It was, but I do remember it vividly. It, I feel like it was the last M. Night Shyamalan movie that I kind of enjoyed. And then it, it went, because The Village was after Signs, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that one in the hotel? I like that movie, but nobody else does. Uh, Lady in the Water. Lady yeah. in the Water. It was interesting. It was yeah. leaning a little towards more David Lynch, or yeah. correctly. But you're right. He left an impact. Are there directors that you, over time, like M. Night Shyamalan, that you find really left a major impact on you? Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, my favorite like filmmakers are like, you know, Steven Spielberg and Brian De Palma and David Lynch. And those are all sort of people who, I guess, sort of um, have like a style or sort of view of the world that you kind of see from movie to movie. So yeah, I mean, I've always kind of, you know, bought into this idea of like this sort of superstar filmmaker a bit. I don't know if I completely believe that anymore, but I, I try to follow people's careers the same way I do with like, you know, you know, musicians that I like, even if they release an album I don't like, I'll keep buying all their albums after that just because I'm, I'm invested to that point, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Wes Anderson, there's a guy that also, I mean, I like Bottle Rocket, mm-hmm. Royal Tannenbaum's. Yeah, Steve Zizou, Life Aquatic. Yeah, that's weird. Like Life Aquatic was my favorite, my favorite movie of that year. It opened, but I the first time I saw Tenenbaums, Bombs, I didn't like it. I gave it like a negative review in the coast, and like some of my friends gave me shit for that. And like I was just like, yeah, I just thought it was too precious, too overcrowded. Like I couldn't like relate to any character in it. And I watched it again last year, and it was like, it's basically a masterpiece. I mean, yeah. So that was so the, you know I wrote like a retraction on on this letterbox site, kind of like saying I was wrong. I like this movie a lot. Now. Wow. So yeah. Yeah, that's a great film, but I think you it's like any movie. You need to be in a certain state of mind. I've gone back and, and mm-hmm. watched a film, and then I didn't like it the next time or or, or loved it. Or, are there any other films like that that you've sort of revisited? There's definitely movies that I feel are sort of stuck in their time in a way that they're harder to watch now. I never loved Sin City as a movie, but I tried watching it last year, and I couldn't finish it. And a lot of that might have just been like, you know, that I, I thought a lot of its kind of like attitudes were like misogynist and sort of were acceptable by the mainstream in 2005 or whenever that opened, but just it didn't seem right now. Reservoir Dogs, which I respect as a movie, but I couldn't get through it either because in that case, I felt it had been sort of plagiarized too much and it had too much influence on other films that I was like not getting anything out of it anymore. I, I, like, I knew every line of dialogue. So um, maybe a lot of it's just like overexposure to some things in that way. Movies that I didn't like that I liked later. I don't know. That, that's a tough one. What about you? Yeah, nothing's springing to mind. It's a weird thing, you know, when all your friends say, oh, you got to see this movie, it's great, it's great, it's great, and then you finally get to it, yep. and you don't like it. Uh-huh. It, I, a lot of it's like, I'll give you one, Scarface. Uh. The first time I watched that movie, I thought it was cheesy, and um, I don't know, I just thought it was like a goofy movie that, you know, obviously like wasn't up to par with The Godfather or, or things like that. And I watched it again, like kind of like, going into it with the attitude that it was like an 80s like sort of strange like over the top comedy and I really like that movie a lot now so I, I don't know maybe it's just sort of the mindset I go into with these things also I don't know you're a huge Buffy fan um yeah yeah I was pretty obsessed with Buffy I remember like looking through Entertainment Weekly and seeing this ad for this show coming on called Buffy the Vampire Slayer like are you kidding they made like a, a, a TV show out of this stupid movie that nobody saw and so, like, I, I didn't really watch it, like, the first season. And I remember, like, my brother said, yeah, but it was really good. I'm like, really? So, I don't know. I started, I think, like, YTV was showing them at, like, midnight on Fridays or something. Yeah. <laughs> I started watching <laughs> it then. I'm like, wow, the show's super good. And I started watching it. The dialogue's fantastic. The cast of characters is great. People uh-huh. hate on Xander a lot, but I kind of... Do they? I think Xander seems to fit 
within this group really well. Oh, with man. Buffy when, and, when you're and, a teenage guy, Xander's who you relate to on that show. Yeah, too. and he's the guy hanging out with these mostly this mostly female group of friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of doesn't get along with Angel. And then there's Giles. and but Like, I feel like at the time, and just in reflection, that I, I sort of like subconsciously like really wanted to live in Sunnydale where the show is set. Yeah. I don't know like why that is. I just kind of like, I wanted that group of friends, like my friends here are cool too, but I don't know. I just sort of wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to be part of that Buffy Scooby gang. And it's sort of strange. Like, you know, I watched like uh, I'm three seasons into game of Thrones and like, I like the show, but I'm not compelled to watch it as much because the, the world that game of Thrones takes place in is just like this gray rapey toilet. Like I don't, I don't want to go back there every week. <laughs> I can see a bit of Buffy influence in your works. A lot of your uh-huh. films revolve around teenagers and a little bit of angst, a little bit of some sort of horror element. Wait, where do you yeah. think that comes from? You uh, you love um, you love teen movies. You got a guilty that's your guilty pleasure. I, I do like teen movies a lot. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like those are. I have like a real kind of I guess sentimental attachment to my own childhood and my own teenage years. I, I don't I don't really know why, but I'm always kind of like sort of digging back to stories from there. And, and I watch a lot of teen movies that I think don't get it right. And I, I, they feel to me like they're written by 45-year-olds and stuff who don't really, you know, like do you ever like watch these shows on MTV where like everything is just about who's dating who? It's not like that when you're a kid. You know, there's like other priorities also. and But those are just like always ignored. So I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, the emotion of being a teenager is something that I want to bring out. But I'm all very influenced by, you know, shows like Buffy and like you know, movies like Fast Times and Weird Science and a lot of the John Hughes movies and things. So great. And yeah, yeah, watching totally. Detention, I can see a lot of that when, when uh-huh. you worked on that. So how did that movie come about? You you met Joseph Kahn. How did you first meet Joseph Kahn? Um, I met Joseph Kahn because like I was a, a film critic at the coast and he, his uh, first movie was called Torque. But yeah, it was, it was like a, you know, the producer Neil Moritz who produced Fast and the Furious was trying to like, I guess, do the same thing for motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's this movie Torque's starring Ice Cube and I remember like seeing the poster for it at Bears Lake and, and just the, kind of thinking like wow that's going to be like a crazy movie to go see some Friday night and a bunch of us went and, and I ended up like really enjoying it it was a badly reviewed film for the most part it got a lot of negative reviews but I really liked it then I noticed that the director Joseph Kahn who I wasn't aware was like a huge music video director although I'd seen all his videos um, yeah he directed videos for for like Eminem Britney Spears um, U2 pretty much everyone Randy did he do that the girl is mine video yeah that boy is mine yeah the boy, yeah, is, yeah. The boy is mine yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course all that fame like he, yeah, yeah. he sort of pioneered that style right that was big with like oh, Backstreet totally. Boys and yeah yeah huge I mean the guy's super talented yeah because yeah. you remember in like like if you're like a music fan in the 90s around 97 like it seemed to me like I didn't understand what was going on with music anymore. It's like suddenly the Backstreet Boys were huge yeah. and here the Spice Girls and all this stuff. Yeah, oh, I had a sister. I was well aware yeah. of the Backstreet Boys. It's like, it's like maybe like music's not for me anymore. What's going on? And and but like you know the videos for that era um, were pretty amazing, like works of art in a lot of ways. And I kind I kind of like respect sort of like that sort of teen pop idol thing more now than I think I did at the time. But Joseph Kahn was behind a lot of those videos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's worked with tons and tons, hundreds, hundreds like of artists, and yeah. Mark Palermo, and the great Mark Palermo, who yes. well, I have yet to meet. Um, <laughs> but uh, so you reviewed Torque, yeah, and, and I noticed that Joseph Kahn had a website which had kind of sort of quotes from different critics, like about like uh, how great Torque was, and uh, I noticed that it, it didn't have any quotes from me, so I emailed the site administrator and asked why it didn't, and um, <laughs> <laughs> I like I, I like Torque better than all these guys. 
<laughs> and, and Joseph Kahn like wrote me back. I didn't know he was his own site administrator. And he said, "Yeah, you're right. You're like the only person who understood my movie. That's awesome." And you know, we kind of developed like a friendship online. And I think he kind of um, felt I had like an interest in in teen movies. We were talking about like the Scream movies a lot at that point. So an interest in horror movies as well. And and we kind of got an idea that we wanted to to do one together. And that's where detention came. from. And that's where detention came from because um, detention is kind of like. It's kind of scream meets Freaky Friday in a way. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's that. Um, With lot, some time travel, a lot of other movies too. Yeah, yeah a yeah. million. Well, it's, uh, it's so <laughs> unique, and I'm not just saying that because I know you, but hearing it and hearing the voice of the characters, the way it's directed, it's so it's got such a great polished look to it. It's just a really fun, wild. You don't know what's going to happen next. Watch, and I think the performances are great. Dane Cook actually really. I, Enjoyed his performance. Yeah, oh, we totally lucked out with the cast. I mean, yeah, Josh uh, Hutcherson from Hunger Games is in it, and yep, uh, yep. Oh, I mean, there's so many. Oh yeah, Spencer uh, Locke and Spencer yeah. Locke from Resident Evil, yeah. Stanley Caswell who was in uh, The Conjuring. Yeah, um, she made that after the fact, but like um, at the time, yeah. So Joseph Connolly knew we wanted to do this teen movie, and we spent like a long time just sort of coming up with with scenes we wanted to see in it, and then um, figuring out how to make them all make sense. And Joseph had this idea that um, it would be like every character is living in their own teen movie, was the star of their own teen movie. So you have like the Freaky Friday girl, the the Ferris Bueller guy, the Pretty in Pink girl, and just all these people would be together in one movie. And and that's kind of like why it feels like such a wild ride, I think. And so like after we came up with a story, which took us a long time to come up with, it was a pretty crazy story, honestly. And it's strange to me to think that at that point we thought we were writing a commercial movie and then the reviews come out later and say it's the craziest film of all time. Like I wasn't (laughs) expecting that. Was Was that an actual review? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We've also been called the most obnoxious movie of all time in some sites. So I don't know. But some people love us. Some people don't. That's fine. I think it's great. I've never been involved in anything that wasn't controversial and I never try try to be controversial. It just always happens. It happens. What was Dane Cook like? Dane Cook was always cool to me. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was just a, a good guy on set. He'd improv a lot of his lines. And sometimes, you know, we wouldn't be sure if, if you know, we were wasting a lot of time, like, letting Dane Cook do all these different versions of them. But a lot of them were super funny. And a couple of them actually ended up in the movie. Like that scene at the beginning where, if you've seen the movie, the opening credits are like, um, you know, all our names and different things in the school, like on the lockers and stuff. And the production designer named Mar- uh, Marcel Gravel, that credit is like written on the wall. Like there's these two girls painting it as a banner. And Dane Cook walks by it, and he improv the line, this is ugly, and he points at it. And that stayed in the movie, and that was kind of funny because, you know, it's the production designer's credit, and the production designer's the one who's supposed to make the movie look good, and, you know, him saying that her her credit is ugly, you know, it kind of worked in a couple ways. So, I I don't know, that was was cool. Um, Yeah, I I don't know, Dane Cook just, like, seemed like a pro. He's a funny guy. The the kids all liked him. I feel like at first he might have been sort of nervous because, you know, it's... um, he, he at the time was was used to um, being kind of like the cool guy who's the main star of the movies. And this time, you know, it's it's a ninety minute movie of like you know a bunch of teenagers calling him a douchebag. So it might have sort of put him in this strange role. It's like I don't know, like what am I stepping into here? But I'm, I think it's it's a much different kind of role than he's ever done before, yeah. and he completely owns it. I, yeah, I think it might be my favorite Dane Cook appearance in a film. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I've seen too many other ones, but <laughs> I remember really liking him in that. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I think he pulls it off pretty well. Yeah. Any other co- background? Um, well, I mean, the whole thing's a background story. I'll tell you, if you've seen the movie, uh, I'll like repeat that people think it's crazy, so a lot of crazy things happen. Before the movie was um, 
before we actually shot it, we were doing like a table read with like all the production people from the film and we're going over the script and kind of talking about everything in the script. And we sort of get to this part where this football scene is coming up uh, and the um, Joe Osborne, who was like the first AD says, all right, here's where I have a problem. I'm like, Oh God, this is the part of the movie. Everybody has a problem with because this is where it's revealed that the football player is actually part fly. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he his crazy movie guys you gotta you gotta see it because when he's a kid he touched an asteroid and it mutated his hand and his dad made him wear a tv set on his hand for um some of his childhood and i'm like all right this is like joe osborne uh, who by the way looks exactly like danny glover in the lethal weapon movies uh, he's gonna have a problem with this part <laughs> was like, now listen i think you guys did something very offensive here there's no way that they would be playing football at the end of the school year. It's like, <laughs> this is a problem. like yeah, I don't think anyone's going to care that much about that, Joe. But so we just kind of kept it anyway. But that's a good point, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually. Well, yeah, he's a big like sports fan, so yeah. it sort of really bothered him that we did this. <laughs> kind of. Val- yeah, valid uh, point. If you're a football fan. Yeah, I, I just, I, I mean, maybe, maybe people notice that. I don't know. People don't often tell me the things that they don't, they didn't like about the movie so much. I mean, they'll say that stuff on Twitter, but they won't say it to my face. So like maybe it bothers them, but I think there's just so much other shit going on in the movie that they don't notice, you know, that, that you know, we're, we're representing football in uh, the spring. So Well, I love the character of Cinderella in terms of a slasher, teen slasher villain. Uh-huh. I thought that was a great character and great name. Oh, cool. Thanks. There's actually a script for, you see some of the movie Cinderella 2, and I wrote half of a script for, for the movie Cinderella 2, um, which is called Beauty Scream, Cinderella 2 Beauty Scream. But it's like the most disgusting script ever. I was going to direct it um, at one point and we would have it as like a, an extra feature on the DVD, but we never really, you know, we didn't have the money or time to do that. It was like the most kind of disgusting film ever. It was just full of like, you know, projectile vomit and the most gruesome murder scenes ever. It tells a lot of like Cinderella's backstory. She used to be like an abused kid at school. And guess what Cinderella's real name was when she was alive? Cindyanna Jones. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why people picked on her. Well, that's one reason. <laughs> <laughs> wow, secrets revealed here. <laughs> secrets revealed, Cindyanna Jones. So yeah, and I, I don't know, the Cinder, the Cinder Hella scenes are kind of like a take on the Saw movies and are fun to watch. That's me. I play Cinderella in some parts of the movie. Oh, that's just for cool. brief shots. You know, there's actual like there's actual stuntman and a lot of the things. I wish you'd had your voice. That's right. The inimitable Mark Palermo. Listen, Nancy, it's time to die. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that was. Um, so, but that the scene at the beginning, this um, where uh, this girl Taylor Fisher, played by um, Allison Woods, is being slaughtered in her bedroom. For some reason, I was told to put on the Cinderella costume in that part and to go like on top of her in bed with the knife in my hand and stab her. So I have the Cinderella mask on. Uh, she's under me. I can barely see a thing out of this mask, and I have like uh, an, a fake knife in my hand. At some point, the props person comes and says, "You got to give him the real knife. That thing looks fake as hell." So the, <laughs> this real knife, I'm supposed to like plunge downward into this girl on the bed, and I can barely see a thing. I'm like nervous that I'm gonna kill her or myself, and like I don't know. That that was like a very stressful moment, and then finally. Kind of someone saw that, you know, this could be really dangerous and they got me out of there and put this man in. <laughs> also, that's me. Spoilers. Dane Cook is killed in the movie by Cinderella. That's me who kills Dane Cook because that's me wearing the Cinderella costume at that time. This is the second time Dane Cook has been killed in a movie. Guess who killed him the first time? 
Kevin Costner, Mr. Brooks. <laughs> We've got that in common. Kevin Costner and Mark Palermo. <laughs> yep. This is awesome. I, I, I've, I've never told myself that story before either. Mark, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> you killed Dane Cook. That should be on your business card. <laughs> Kevin Costner and me have this in common. <laughs> uh, also, I'm one of the few people who liked the movie Waterworld. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed Waterworld. <laughs> I, I want to see it again. There's a movie, yeah, to go back and revisit. Waterworld, good times. Um, let me think. Are there other stories? Um, I, I don't know. The whole thing was kind of like crazy stuff. The actor who plays the bully, Parker Begley, he, he became like a, a good friend of mine. But he looks a lot like Brendan Fraser, I think. And I told him he looked like Brendan Fraser one time. And he says, no, people tell me that all the time, but it's not true. The only actor I look like is James Dean. Like, okay. That was kind of a cool answer. <laughs> Have you heard that rumor that Brendan Fraser has a twin brother who works at the Sobeys in downtown um, Halifax? I know a lot about this guy, and I'm sort of worried about getting into the story because I have a crazy story I could tell about <laughs> Brendan Fraser's brother. But, uh, so it's true. Uh, it was true. I don't think he works there anymore. I, th- I think he might live in Toronto now. Because I remember going in no, the Sobeys. He was totally Brendan Fraser's brother. But he did um, contact me. By the way, super nice guy. Uh, he did contact me at, at the coast. And um, I think the girl working the front desk at the coast, Ashley LeBlanc at the time, she sent me an email that said, this guy, um, Regan Fraser, wants you to call him. And then I call him up and he's like, uh, he tells me like he's uh, Brendan Fraser's brother and asks me like if I can meet with him at Steve Arenos the next day. And I'm like, okay. And like I, I get there and we talk for an hour and a half. I, I was just kind of like interested. Like this guy was telling me like Brendan Fraser's life story and it was pretty fascinating. It's totally him. You can tell it's him because they have almost the same face except Regan Fraser has less hair. And I've heard rumors that Brendan Fraser has hair plugs, so it all it all fits, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. This is an urban legend confirmed because it's it, just one of those things you hear. Hey, did you hear Brendan Fraser's brother? Oh, it's totally works uh, at the Sobeys it, downtown Halifax. It's totally Brendan Fraser's brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love this. Secrets of the universe being uh, revealed uh, here. Uh, yeah, yeah. There, there's some there's some very funny Brendan Fraser stories. Brendan Fraser's brother stories I have. Um, but yeah, they're, 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 they're not they're not right for podcasts. Um, but yeah, he, fair he, enough. He, Shout out he, to Brendan Fraser. He, he, he was a fun guy to hang out with. He yeah. sure is. Now, your first you worked on. I had the joy of being in a movie with you back in two thousand four. Right. Yeah. The yeah. Killing of Kings. The Killing of Kings. And then you made later that evening, which was two thousand six, and that was a sort of a, that was a teen movie as well, right? Yeah, it was a, a take on a teen movie because it was like teenagers who were, it was like the stage I was at in my life at that point where I was, I was like in my 20s, but I was still kind of like stuck in that world a little bit. So it's kind of about teenagers who were, keep having flashbacks to, to then. Yeah, it was a double date kind of sex comedy. Yeah, was, <laughs> a lot of great uh, performances in there. Yeah, yeah, no, super happy with that. Josh film. McDonald, uh, Corey Bowles. Yeah, and a lot of yeah. ways uh, Stevens actually kind of like prototype for detention. Like there's yeah. a debate scene in there that, Kind of shows up in detention in a slightly different form and yeah, a lot of the yeah. flashback structure and things too. Right on. And we made the root video. We had a lot of fun with that. Yep. The word burglar, the root, 2008. That was that, that was, was a, fun. That was an awesome video to, to do. Yeah. I had a lot of fun that day. It was a day and a half shoot, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We got into the Chronicle Herald and they, we got to shoot the actual printing press. Yes. It was amazing because in all my years of delivering newspapers, I never had been to the paper plant to actually see what it had been. 
you know, where these papers were actually coming. That was that, fun. Yeah, that was a treat and a lot of a lot of fun. I remember we lost some of the footage though, which was a heartbreaker. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's some extra scenes that never made it. It's true. It's true. I mean, hopefully the video still works anyway. But I, I do kind of miss that stuff also. Yeah. Shout out, Mike. That was a fun video to do because, like, I feel like that was the first time that I, like, I, I really. Felt like I was working with other people's money, so I really sort of. <laughs> it was the first time that I I felt I got good at at talking to actors on set and directing them, just because I felt I was under all this pressure and I had to do it right. Yeah. So yeah, that was a, a great experience. That was a great time. Other than doing a video for that word burglar guy, you did a video for Mariah Carey, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I didn't direct her video, but um, when I started working with uh, Joseph Kahn on commercials and uh, music video treatments, I wrote a treatment for a Mariah Carey video called Beautiful. It was with uh, her and Miguel. Is that pronounced right? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, man. I guess this was early 2013, I think. And uh, so, yeah, I was, I was visiting Joseph to like, do some writing on another project. And he mentioned that he had this Mariah Carey video that he was in talks to do. And so he went to go speak with her one night. I forget where, but just told me to wait in the car. And uh, I waited in the car for like three hours. It was like the worst thing ever. Well, like, he's inside talking to Mariah Carey. Yeah, like what the hell's going on here? And so like, That's it a went, surreal experience. Yeah, and it went from like, I think we got there at 10 and I was probably like sitting there till like one. And uh, I didn't tell him, but like, yeah, it was like at midnight, it was my birthday. And I'm like, man, this is the worst way to start my birthday. But it's kind of cool that it's like the start of a Mariah Carey video. But, you know, things like that happen. Uh, you should have gone in and say, hey, it's my birthday, Mariah. You know, what's, <laughs> what's the hold up here? No, no, I've got to keep my humble Canadian image going. Um, <laughs> but that was cool. It was all good. <clears throat> and then, I, excuse me, then, then I got to uh, write the treatment for that video. I didn't come up with the concept for it, but I was given certain um, parameters um, of what to write, and uh, and I was on set when it was shot. We shot it, or Joseph Kahn shot it, I should say, on um, one of the sets that was used where uh, Little House on the Prairie was was shot. So it was, I think, like owned by Disney, all this land, and yeah, you know, it was kind of like a a very like serene green place, and it was kind of nice. Um, and then Mariah Carey showed up, and she had like a lot of entourage with her, and as well as the entourage, she had some guys with her who came around with like um, duct tape and told us that we had to cover up the cameras on all our phones to not take pictures of her. Wow. And I'd never seen anything like that happen before. Yeah, here she's a bit of a diva. But it, I mean, it is sort of weird because like all these people on set are like, you know, working professionals and things. But, you know, things like that have happened before. Um, so that was cool. But Mariah Carey seemed like she was in a good mood. She, she was uh, happy to be there, smiling, sitting on the motorcycle that she sits on in the video. Did you have any interactions with her? I never spoke to her, and not too many people did, but Miguel came over, and he was really cool, because I think he was yeah, uh, just excited to be in a video, yeah. a Mariah Carey video, too, and you know, he came over and, and talked to us. I was sitting kind of next to the sound guys. The, the sound guy, Fletcher, is a, a good friend of mine, and and he came over and like chilled with us for a bit, so he seemed really cool. And I was, it got super cold at night. I went home at some point. Apparently, like, Nick Cannon showed up later, but I missed that. But anyway, <laughs> and it ended up being, like, a really good song, too. I heard it in Subway one time. Nice. So, What's this, the video again? People can go watch Oh, sorry. It's called Beautiful. Beautiful. Mariah Carey featuring Miguel. Right. Now, when you have to write a treatment for Mariah Carey, what were you thinking? Did you think of old videos that she had done? I mean. There's a bit of that. 
but also like I, I listened to the new song and you kind of get like a, a vibe from the song and a sense of that beautiful being a very sort of lush kind of song. You don't want to, you know, get all anime and silly on it necessarily either. So I don't know. A lot of it's just, you know, representing the song through a video and trying to find out a way through writing that sort of represents that well and then hoping the director agrees with that. And, you know, a lot of it's kind of would be a back and forth between Mike Joseph and I of, of, of what works out in that in a, writing a video, you know? Yeah, well, you're a very calm and collected man. Were, was um, there any part outside. of you that was freaking out? I mean, I... Come on, it's Mariah Carey. Uh, <laughs> Even it, if I'm not a fan of her music, I, you know who she is. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny. I know what you mean. Um, it's kind of weird. like this is hard to explain. But when I'm in Halifax, I feel like myself. When I'm in LA, I don't feel like I'm myself anymore. And so all that stuff's just kind of like it's almost like I'm like watching a different character on TV doing these things. And like I, I don't know. So like often when I'm in like I have fun in Los Angeles, but I often like. Think I kind of want to get back home in a way because I, I need to be myself again, you know. I don't know, but but at the same time, like yeah, it is like huge. Mariah Carey's a huge star and definitely like an icon that you know. I think she came out when I was in grade five or six or something. Well, she's got a good voice. She's got a good voice. Yeah, she's, you know, she's kind I'm of a, pretty. I, I, I never really, <laughs> I, I never owned a Mariah Carey album. No. Out of all the bigger pop stars, she would be one that I would be like, okay, that's. That's pretty cool. There's some totally, I would not yeah. care about at all, but Mariah, that's just pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. What did you work on any other videos? Um, well, yeah, the first time we collaborated on anything was like, you know, before I ever wrote a commercial treatment was um a video by this guy named Shane Ward, who I guess like won X Factor, which is like American in the Idol. UK, yeah. American Idol in the UK. Yeah. And that one was cool. That one was sort of like a a narrative video more. So it was kind of telling, you know, this love story that was kind of like that Patrick Swayze movie ghost a little bit also. It was, it was, it was a fun video to do and it was, it was a big thing for me. It was kind of a cool thing seeing like a, a video that like, you know, I wrote the treatment for and being able to watch it later, like done by like a director who I really admired. That was, that was a huge thing. There to, to melt your heart, not to break it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> nice. a, that's always my goal. And what were the other ones? Um, I was on the set of a Chinese shampoo, dandruff shampoo commercial starring Nicole Scherzinger from the Pussycat Dolls that Joseph Kahn was directing. And I was kind of bored on set because Nicole Scherzinger wasn't talking to me and she was just doing her thing. By the way, she has the exact same voice as Michael Jackson had when he was alive. Does that sound bad? <laughs> and she, she never swears either, which I found really interesting. Like she'll mess up a, a take and say, oops. But and she's, what's she famous for? Nicole Scherzinger was, one, was the main Pussycat Doll. She was the main Pussycat Doll, yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't you wish your girlfriend was fly like me? Right. And uh, so Every I was like, day, Mark. So, so I was like, well, I'm on. <laughs> nah, not. <laughs> your girlfriend tries to be me. Come on. <laughs> and so I was like, kind of bored on this set. Uh, and, and like I said, all right, well, you know, it's been like half a year since we finished this detention treatment. I'm going to like take my laptop and I'm going to write four scenes of detention a day until we have a first draft of the script. So. And so that started your detention. That's how, that's how detention started to get written. But I, th I feel like that might have also sort of kind of put Joseph Kahn and Nicole Scherzinger in the same world. Because as we were doing detention, uh, Joseph funded a lot of that movie himself and, you know, still kind of needed to, you know, get other jobs going at the same time. So um, a music video starring Nicole Scherzinger came his way during that. And I was like, we were just shooting in one of the high schools and, uh, yeah, this this song came to me, um, and so I kind of like went in one of the classrooms and, and and wrote a treatment for that there. 
Oh my God, I'm forgetting the names of all the videos. Um, it's not called Toxic, but it's because that's a Britney Spears song. But it's a song. It's a title. Almost, it's called Poison. <laughs> it's called Poison. <laughs> and that that was a fun video. And at the same time, I did a, a similar warning based title. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. It's called uh, what are some other ones? Corrosive. <laughs> and I did a, a Carrie Hilson video called Corrosive. No, that's not what it was called. It was called uh, A Pretty Girl Rock. And, uh, and that, that was kind of like a big hit song. And, uh, and I wrote that on the detention set also. But that was cool. Both of those got made. There were other videos that I wrote that, uh, that never were um, done in the way that, that we did them. Like um, I remember Joseph sent me the, the originally, like way before the song came out, um, Rihanna's Umbrella. Really? And it still had like all these kind of you know, voice coming on every time. Like, this is not to be duplicated. Like every 20 seconds, it was super annoying. Um, and yeah, like I wrote a treatment for umbrella that I, like I was super happy with, I guess Rihanna or someone else didn't like it. Cause um, Joseph didn't end up getting that job. It went to a different director and, and the video is much different than, than the treatment that I worked on. What I would you have had her do? Uh, it was kind of more of like a, a singing in the rain type scenario. Uh. It was like, it was like, pouring rain and she's kind of looking for a guy but everyone has the same like black umbrella and she keeps losing him in the crowd okay. and uh i think it was like um when her umbrella opens then like the crowd disappears and she just sees him it's all very kind of subjective from her point of view it's hard to describe and make it sound good but it seemed cool to me when i was doing it <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's good that's pretty cool but yeah that was a fun video to do nice there was, like i think i wrote a shakira one uh, a couple others back to detention right it was on Netflix, right? Is it still uh, Netflix? Yeah, it's on, it's on both Canadian and U.S. Netflix right now. But be careful because there's two movies called Detention. And- Weird. Yeah. What's that about? Is it- uh, yeah, it's about like uh, ghosts in the, the school library. I think they threatened to sue us <laughs> when, when it was announced that we were making Detention. But you can't copyright the title Detention because it's only one word. You can copyright the title Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle because it's extremely specific. But Good to know. So something yeah. like Later That Steevening. Later That Steevening, yeah. It's you, very specific. You, yeah. you couldn't do another. I would also advise you not to make a movie called Detention again because <laughs> it would just get more confusing. <laughs> so with all your movie collecting, has there been any films? Because as a collect from one collector to another. Yeah. Have there been any movies that have been extremely hard to find? Like, I, I don't think it's too hard to find most things I'm looking for anymore. I also don't collect as many movies as I used to just because I'm very low on shelf space. Um, <laughs> but also, but I mean, there have been times I remember like, uh, I remember trying to find Eraserhead on VHS and buying it from some store in Toronto. I won't name it, but I remember like when I picked it up and brought it to the counter, the guy like said to me, how did you find out we had this? And like, all right, don't tell anyone. I'm like, what? I don't know. Really? Yeah, yeah. Why? Is it I think it was like It was like a bootleg comedy, a bootleg copy that, that he had made. And um, yeah, so that was crazy. It was like horrible quality also. I, I saw Blue Velvet in high school and it kind of changed my life in a way. And so I was sort of on a kick to see other David Lynch movies at, at that point. Mm-hmm. I was finding that one. We saw Lost Highway at Wormwoods. At Wormwoods on the perfect night to see it. Do you remember? It was like rainy and it was a late show. Was it? Was it? Just, wow. I just remember it being a very weird. I didn't know what I was getting into. but I sort of do remember it raining now that you mention it. I do remember drinking a liter of Coke in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed like something you could do when you were 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you go to a movie now... What what do you want to see? What's going to blow you away? Well, basically, like what I want from a movie itself beyond like the crowd is I just, I want to be sort of taken to another world and kind of like have this like weird kind of 
experience for two hours and then kind of be like let out in the real world. Like, whoa, that was crazy. I've never gone on that exact trip before. You know, feel things in a new way. What films have done that for you? Um, oh boy. I think a movie that does that has to have a fairly sort of consistent tone. I'll give you one sort of strange example, and I can relate this to something else, would be a movie like Mars Attacks. Um, which I think is kind of like a very sort of consistent satiric tone, but is completely within its own world. And, uh, and, and it's not the world outside precisely, but it's sort of like a satiric version of it in a way. That, um, a movie that I didn't like as much, but that does the same thing, which came out a couple of years ago was Spring Breakers. You go see that. I did see Spring. And, and, I didn't see it in theaters. I, I watched it at home and was a bit <laughs> let down by it. Okay, okay, <laughs> but but you're taking on like you're taking on like a, an artistic wavelength in a way that, that someone's basically saying you you know welcome to my brain for two hours. I like that feeling of movies. Sure. I, I feel like the movie studios don't want to do that so much. They kind of want they want the new thing so long as it isn't new anymore. And I, I worry that this is what might happen with with detention is like detention didn't get a lot of kind of support from the studio support from the distributor. It only opened in 12 screens, but I know that there's going to be a movie that comes out that does the same thing as detention, which everyone's going to praise as the new thing. It's kind of egocentric of me to say that, but I, I feel that's going to happen. No, it was definitely like, detention. was its own type of film. And right, right. It's hard to really find a comparable movie yeah. in, in that something that did very much like you just said, it brings you into someone's brain. For, yeah. In this case, the brain of yourself and, and Joseph Kahn. No, like, yeah, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be subversive. You want to be like given a new experience, but I think a lot of the time you also want to be able to sort of relate it to the world you know. Like, like uh, I think people like it in movies as well as like the music they listen to that that it's kind of it, it tells them something about themselves in a way, mm. or it lets them see people they already know in a in a different way that makes more sense. You know, that's a great thing that art can do. Um, sometimes yeah. even if I see a movie with a friend, I kind of like worry if my friend is liking the movie or not. And that's kind of impacting my experience. Yeah. But I remember when I went to see Mars Attacks, and I remember this was a midnight screening the day before it opened. And this was the Christmas of 96, which was the craziest Christmas for movies ever because it was Mars Attacks and Beavis and Butthead Do America and Scream all opened, which was this very kind of like, you know, left-wing sort of, strange batch of movies and all those movies were premiering at midnight on this night and i went to see mars attacks at park lane and i don't know how this happened but midway through the movie a dog ran down the aisle and everyone started cheering for it (laughs) 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 how did a dog get there i don't know because that's like in the basement of the theater yeah but it was the craziest thing who let the dog in who let the dog in exactly (laughs) so i don't know but it kind of like it helped like the vibe of that movie any other crazy times that you remember in, in the theater? Oh, boy. There's been a lot. Like, reviewing movies. I've had crazy things happen. Um, there's a movie called The Eye that starred Jessica Alba. Do you remember this movie? No. This was probably five years ago, maybe less. I think this is what it's about. Jessica Alba gets cornea transplants because she's blind, but they, like, belong to a killer, and she's able to see, like, how a murder happened. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. <laughs> right, right. But it, it's not the most engaging movie ever. It's actually like, like this was kind of at a time when there were like all these sort of remakes of like J horror, like the Japanese horror movies, movies like the grudge and the ring. That's and stuff. the term for that type of film. J yeah, horror. Yeah. 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 Or there's also like K horror, which was the Korean, the Korean one. Um, okay. But a lot of them were kind of weird because they didn't necessarily translate to American audiences that well. It'd always be like these mute 
children with long hair who would just kind of stare at you. And it's like, I don't know if this is scary or not, but like, I don't understand what's <laughs> happening. And, uh, but the eye was kind of a movie like that. And there were these teenagers in the audience who were getting really bored and uh, were, were kind of just running around the aisles. And there was also a single middle, middle-aged guy watching the movie just like by himself. And I kind of wondered what he was doing at this movie in the middle of the afternoon. Like maybe he was going through a divorce or something and a therapist told him to just get out and see a movie. And the, these kids just kept running up and down the aisle and this guy was getting annoyed. And he stood up and he body checked one of them when he was running past. And then this huge argument and this, yeah, this huge argument started between this, this, this older man and these kids. And he's like, he's like, you just body checked my friend. He goes, no, no, I was just getting up to go to the bathroom. What are you talking about? And so I just got, and, and then he's like, you guys are acting like maniacs anyway. I was like, oh, man, why do I have to deal with this? But it was kind of more entertaining to watch than the movie was. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty interesting. I also remember, um, you remember a movie called The Way of the Gun? Yeah, with Benicio Del Toro, right? Yeah, yeah. Halfway through that movie, an old man turned around to me and said, isn't Michael Caine in this? And I said, <laughs> I don't think so. And he's like, oh, dear. And he just kind of <laughs> watching the rest. <laughs> one time I went to see Aliens versus Predator. Right. Oh, I have a good story about that one, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I went to see Alien versus Predator. Opening weekend, I was psyched. It had been, you know, middle yeah, yeah. of summer. Or I don't know when it opened, maybe June or July. I, no one I knew wanted to. Okay, I'm going mm-hmm. by myself. I thought there was going to be a huge lineup. I was like, okay, I get, get there early, show up. Five other people in the. They were all single dudes around my age, like <laughs> 20 to 30 something. They all had the same issue as you. And they all, people. yeah, they couldn't get any friends to go with them. No one wanted to see this movie. And we all just sort of quietly acknowledged <laughs> each other, just looking over and nodding. Yep. Yep, all right, we're going to do this. It was terrible. Like, huge yeah. letdown. The, that movie, yeah. Awful movie. There's maybe one scene that was kind of neat, but major, major letdown. But I just remember feeling that unity amongst Aliens fans that were, we're going to watch this, and we don't care if we have to go by <laughs> ourselves. Like I was just so excited to see it, and I was extremely let down. Yeah, yeah. That was like PG-13 also, yeah. wasn't it? Well, it reminds me of like the time that uh, Mike Holmes, our friend, and, and Will Hopkins and me, um, all single on Valentine's Day, went to go see the 3D re-release of The Phantom Menace. <laughs> it was like the most depressing, <laughs> depressing audience ever. <laughs> the, the re-release of it? Yeah, you don't remember that happened? It was, you couldn't so, pay me so, to rewatch that movie. I think none of us had seen it in enough years that it was uh, due for a rewatch. Uh, but, wow. Okay, but yeah, Alien versus Predator. Um, just leaving the theater, there was like a little kid who said to his dad, the Predators help the good people, Daddy. And his dad said, I know, son. A very nice bonding moment. <laughs> <laughs> the predators help the good people, Daddy. <laughs> yeah. Did you see a lot of movies with your parents growing up? I did. I did. And I was just thinking I had a funny experience with my dad. I remember I took him to see Borat. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and he laughed his ass off for the whole movie. Sorry, Dad, if you're listening now, I'm totally ruining it. But he said, Don't tell anyone I laughed at this movie. <laughs> he was so embarrassed to be laughing, I think, at, at such awesome. what he probably considered fairly uh, <laughs> sub level humor. Right. But right. it was a good time. And I, there's movies like that, like. Now, Jackass, I don't think you're, you're not the biggest Jackass fan. I feel I've sort of warmed up to it a little. Yeah, I, like I, I liked the the last one, but at the time, yeah, I don't know, I, I didn't. It, it kind of seemed to me like it was sort of television as a movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah, going to see that movie in, in the theater, I have not heard more laughter in a movie. In a movie. Yeah, like yeah. I, in recent memory, that's the most 
I can remember laughing with a huge audience consistently throughout a whole movie. And <laughs> But yeah, as a film, it, it's a lot like an idiocracy, right? When they're just staring right, at right. the film Idiocracy. If, if, listeners, if you haven't watched Idiocracy, that's one of my favorites. That's a great movie, yeah. The first I watched Idiocracy twice in a row the first time I saw it. I just like had, Such a great movie. And it made me really angry, but I loved it. It was like, it was well, like, yeah. it, was like it was a hilarious movie that just made me furious at the end that I had to restart it. <laughs> when you were at the coast reviewing, you, you, you'd get a lot of feedback, right? Every... Every week, because the Coast Magazine, for well, people who don't know, is a weekly newspaper and that comes out in Halifax, a free weekly for arts and entertainment and, and mm-hmm. social stuff and yeah. news news about the city. Would you? Was there any one movie that you remember getting a lot of feedback, either positive or negative, about your review? I would say, like, I was doing a lot of this Coast stuff before the Coast website really kicked off, where. Uh, you know, a lot of the comments kind of end up. So often I would be writing like what I felt like I was sort of like sending these reviews off into a void. Like I didn't really know who my readers were a lot, but now and then like, you know, letters would be published. There was like a period, I think in late 2002, early 2003, when like every letter was just about me and like Kyle Shaw, my editor even like wrote some joke at the top, like the coast letters page is where you send letters about your opinions on Mark Palermo. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And like, as I said, I never like, I ne- would never try to be controversial. I just kind of spoke my mind. And I think when you're just honest with yourself, you end up being controversial automatically because everyone's just, you know, most people are just kind of fake to please everybody. Uh, so, but yeah, there were, hmm, I'm trying to think of like what the funnier ones, there was a movie called um, the strangers. And I just like joked in my review because Liv Tyler was in that movie, and Liv Tyler is Steven Tyler from Aerosmith's daughter. And like I think like I I just I didn't even credit her as Liv Tyler. I just called her the girl from Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> and and someone wrote a letter to me, tried to explain to me that Liv Tyler was not an Aerosmith and never has been. <laughs> like I know that. Come on, <laughs> that's a pretty good one. Well, on one level, she is the girl from Aerosmith. She, she was in a couple of their videos. She came from an Aerosmith. That's true. That's one of true. the Aerosmith. Uh, I don't know. Some of them, like a lot of, oh boy, the the craziest was, uh, there was a movie I reviewed called The Hours, which was, you know, that Virginia Woolf movie had like uh, Nicole Kidman and Meryl Streep and Julianne Moore in it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I gave it a pretty negative review. And a teacher from uh, from Dalhousie like wrote a, the like most like over the top psychotic letter I've ever received it was the only letter that fit on the letters page that day and it was just kind of like basically telling me that I didn't understand life by not liking this movie <laughs> <laughs> people get very passionate Yes, yes. If you if you disagree with with their view on something, they're going to let you know. It's true. Well, I mean, my thing was like the coast comes out on Thursdays and movies open like the Friday before. So I feel like everyone knows what everybody else thinks about these movies by now anyway. I've got to say like something kind of new. Like I don't want to just repeat all that. So so my opinions kind of did tend to sometimes be a bit against the grain that way. What was it exactly about life that she thought you didn't understand? I, I didn't understand Virginia Woolf's, I, I don't know, depression or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> was she the writer of the hours by any chance? <laughs> I hope not. But like, I don't know. Like, isn't every movie about life? Like, it's just kind of such a weird thing to say. Mostly. <laughs> like, this movie is about life. It's like, well, so was Night of the Living Dead in a way. I mean, like, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, yeah, a lot of the time you wouldn't really kind of hear back because the website wasn't going yet. And it was just sort of, and there was a weird sort of freedom to that too, because I feel now like writers online are just always sort of worried about this instant feedback. You know, you're, you're kind of writing too much for, to, to please an audience that you know is going to get mad at you right away if you don't. 
So there's sort of like less honesty in it. And that's just kind of the same way with probably the way movies are made and things too. It's just like people respond to them right away. You can complain about a movie online before you even see it now because you heard someone was like, you know, casting it and the whole internet can start a protest and then they'll change that. The studios will actually listen to you. Yeah. Well, people review trailers now. I know. Yeah. People condemn a film before it even comes out. Yeah. And I I think that's like, it's almost dangerous for art in a way because, you know, it's like kind of like this, this, this mob majority sort of dictating how art is made. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, there's an art to a trailer as well. Exactly, yeah. Trailers are, are just sort of cut to appeal to the most amount of people possible, I guess. So they're not always super representative. Yeah. 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 I just watched Snowpiercer. Have you seen that? I would like to see it. Did you like it? Yeah. Uh, cool concept based great. on a French comic book series. One of the most popular comics in France. Uh-huh. About a train that goes around the world when the... If, end of the world and earth is frozen over and this train is going around and the last survivors of humanity are on this train and each car is divided up into a class system neat concept yeah and it's about the people at the back of the train working their way to the front of the train it just gets a little more ridiculous than it than it needed to be and all right yeah it needed i think it needed to be handled with a little bit more i hesitate to say realism but Mm -hmm. The people in it just didn't. It was just completely ridiculous. Is it? Yeah. In a nutshell, a lot of the stuff that happened was just kind of dumb. You <laughs> <laughs> know, I like the concept of it. Yeah, I mean, that's too bad. It, it seems like a movie I should have seen by now. I don't know why I didn't. No, you got Captain America in it. The actor who played Captain America. Right, right. I just call people Captain America. I call people the name of their movies. <laughs> hey, it's Home Alone. <laughs> it's Home Alone. Yes. <laughs> hey, it's Memento. He's good. So <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'll see Snowpiercer at some point. I'd like to know what you think. Okay, cool, cool. I want, I want that review. Are you going to be doing more movie reviews, or have you sort of put that on the back burner? Um. I, it's weird because like when I stopped doing it, I felt like that I was sort of, you know, doing this sort of conflict of interest because I was, I was working on a movie with like actors whose movies I had reviewed before. I didn't want them to read my reviews, you know, like yeah. Walter Perez, who's a great actor in detention. He plays Elliot Fink. I didn't want him to read my review of the remake of Fame because he was in that. And so I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I can keep like like reviewing um, movies as I'm sort of making them too. Exactly. That's an but, interest. Yeah. But it's weird because like if you look at the New York Times, like in, in the book review section, a lot of the book reviews are by established authors. So I, I don't know. I, I don't. I miss doing it, I, and I, I kind of like to get back in a in a different way. I mean, I, I don't really see myself, you know, reviewing four movies a week anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been doing online reviews and things, and I, I have a blog. I, I, I write on there a lot. Yeah, it's something that I miss. Yeah, I understand your your concern though for that because yeah, once you're creating art, it's hard to to critique other art and yeah. people shouldn't take also like reviewing it as just sort of bashing something. Like even if I no. don't like it, I try not try not to be mean about things. And like, I, I find like the general public's attitude online just towards celebrities and stuff, just like super like spiteful these days. Yeah. It's like, why does everyone have to have an, a, like an opinion on every like star they've never met before? Yeah. And so I, I don't know, like I, I don't like going into it with that attitude. Like I, I hope that, you know, if if I negatively review something, I try to kind of spin it in a somewhat constructive way, at least. You well, know? I, I always enjoyed reading your reviews and getting your take, especially if I hadn't seen the movie yet, see what Palermo thinks. And then when I did see it, oh, I want to see what you think. And and that's what a good reviewer does. Someone who just, you said it yourself. It, this is just you. This is your own opinion of, of how you felt. And that's what, no, a, thanks, that's what a good review should be. And your opinion 
is valid. I mean, you're a guy who's watched thousands and thousands of movies, so you're going to have your own view of, well, <laughs> of yeah, how you think they should it. be like, yeah, you, put together. You've got to be yourself. It's like you need to be yourself in your rap songs too. You know, you're not you're not rapping as Drake. You're rapping as Word Burglar. You know, <laughs> exactly. You've got to you've got to come at it from from your own place. Would you ever consider collecting all your reviews and putting together one big like Leonard Malton book? I, I thought about it before. The thing is, like, I have a lot of. My reviews used to be on Rotten Tomatoes. You can still see like the links to them, but if you click them all, it says this link is broken or something because I think they changed their server or something. But like, um, I, I have like collected, like I've cut out of all the coast issues. I used to have every issue of the coast from like all ten years, but it was became the biggest fire hazard ever. So <laughs> Stacking I, up so, in your garage. So I just cut all my re- early reviews out of it before Rotten Tomatoes started doing them. And so I have those, but then the Rotten Tomatoes server like stops connecting to my reviews. So there's like a five years I'm kind of missing. Um, I think I, I might have some of the files on my computer somewhere. Um, I don't know. I'd like I thought of putting out a book before. I don't know. There'd have to be like the right time to do it and stuff. A lot of that's kind of like you know it's a much younger me writing some of that stuff, so I'd have to spin it right too. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you could do like the Palermo rewatch. Go back and rewatch all these films and see what your take is now. This is that's Palermo bad, now. Yeah. Yeah. Because huh, you were telling, you were saying that you had went back and you liked a movie that you wrongly reviewed or that you didn't yeah. like when you were younger. Yeah, yeah. One interesting one that happened with that, and this was is, was a, a movie I really disliked when I first saw it. Was and gave a bad review to was not another teen movie. And the funny thing with that was Rotten Tomatoes used my quote from that as like their highlight quote, and it became like the famous quote of the movie, just me bashing this movie. I said something like, this was 2001, and my quote was like, it's a little like watching Christina Aguilera make fun of Britney Spears. And that became like the big quote associated with that movie. (laughs) And then I watched the movie again. I'm like, this is actually kind of funny and clever. (laughs) But oh well, I guess this quote's going to follow me everywhere. Out of all the movies you have seen, what is the one movie that you think every human on the planet needs to watch? Um, I would say The Real Cancun. (laughs) Have you seen it? I haven't. Oh, my God. I guess you got to start that campaign. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Does everyone on the planet need to see the same movie? I'm not sure. What is it? Um, I don't know. Sometimes you see these reviews. Every human alive needs to watch. (laughs) Well, yeah. uh, They're the hardest questions for me. Like, even, like, when people ask me what my favorite movie is, like, I, I, yeah, I always kind of stumble because I shouldn't, like, have, like, ready-made answers for those, but I don't. Sometimes, like, I, I recognize someone isn't a huge movie fan. And they'll come up to me and say, like, you know, oh, did you see Mad Money with Queen Latifah and Katie Holmes? It was just great. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like, I'm a polite boy. And uh, I try to, like, sort of engage them a bit. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was cool. Like, I, I don't know. Like, what can you say? Like, that was the shittiest movie ever. Are you insane? Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Say, so like, oh, yeah, well, that was all right. And in that case, like, I might kind of point to another movie that's out that I thought was better. But it's kind of weird because I find when a lot of people, like, ask me, like, you know, what good movies have you seen lately? If they're not big movie fans and I tell them some movie is really good, they're like, okay, well, who's in it? And I'll like mention nobody that they know and like, all right. So, you know, they really just kind of wanted me to tell them that American Sniper was awesome or something. <laughs> it's, like, it's like they're just completely not interested in this movie they've never heard of. <laughs> Do you have a top five or top ten movies of all time? Oh, boy. Uh, I know it's it's always impossible. It's, it's kind of weird because there's like movies that I might like place above others, but there's movies that I might watch more than others too. You know, like... Um, Back to the Future's on. You'll watch it to the end. 
Mm-hmm. If house party's on, you'll watch it to the end. There's a, <laughs> I'm being serious. There's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of films like that. But are, are those the best movies ever? Probably not. Yeah, like um, for watchability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I have to say, in terms of the recent superhero movies, one that I always say I could keep watching Iron Man over and over again uh-huh. more than Dark Knight. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, Dark Knight's too heavy, too long. Yeah. yeah. I love both those movies, but Iron Man, I, I just find a lot more rewatchable. But is Iron Man one of your top five favorite movies? No. Right. No. I yeah. mean, like I said, I would say Aliens. Yeah, I will guess your top five favorite movies. Okay, go. Okay, my first guess is Aliens. <laughs> um, then Blade Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner's in there. Casino. Top 10, but close. Yeah. Um, Good guess. Okay, this is getting hard now. Dead Man on Campus. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'd probably squeak in there. <laughs> okay. Um, and Face Off. Because <laughs> I saw Face Off in the theater with you. I remember that. That's right. That's right. I also saw Dead Man on Campus with you. That was That is still, still to this day, I think, one of the most underrated, stupid teen comedies out there. It was pretty ridiculous. If yeah. people have not seen Dead Man on Campus, it's about two college students who are failing and then they find out that they can get straight A's if their roommate commits suicide. It's a pretty pretty dark dark premise. It's pretty grim. One story, like you had this friend or he's kind of a mutual friend, uh, Stuart. Yeah, shout out Stu. (laughs) And I just remember he was watching the movie with us and I think he got really confused by it because like halfway through he's just like, wait a minute guys, where's the dead man? He (laughs) (laughs) he thought it was like a zombie movie or something. (laughs) There's just some great performances. Yep. Uh, Saved by the Bell, he's in it. Oh, yeah. He's a star, right? Starring Saved by the Bell and... Gosler. How come everyone's so obsessed with Saved by the Bell who's our age? I never really watched that show. It was just sort of always on. It was, but like, why would you be so into Saved by the Bell and not like Predator 2 or something? <laughs> it's like everybody's like that. Like, who was on Saved by the Bell? That Gosler dude and Showgirls was on it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the alcoholic beverage of Newfoundland. What? What's that? Screech. Oh, Screech. Okay. I don't know much about it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> He's the official alcoholic beverage of Newfoundland. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I don't think I was like allowed to watch Saved by the Bell. There were weird shows I wasn't allowed to watch. Really? I'll tell you what the other ones were like um, Full House. <laughs> And 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 uh, and pro stars. You remember pro stars? That was the animated show with Wayne Gretzky, Bo Jackson, and Michael Jordan. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I was allowed to watch like stuff that like was much more like restricted in content. But I remember like um, they used to do on Friday nights before the new Saturday morning shows came on in the fall. They would like show like a preview of some of them, and they showed a whole episode of Pro Stars. And my dad just like freaked out. I was like, this is so stupid. It's just a bunch of sports figures trying to sell you cereal. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't understand, but like, I was Your allowed. dad is a very wise man. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch that show, and it kind of confused me for like 10 years after. Like, Makes a lot of sense. Don't let your kid watch the stupid stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and in a way, I might have kind of gotten my like critical faculties from like just things like that <laughs> happening. I don't know. It's kind of weird. But didn't like there were crazy things on like didn't the mis the misfits on Gem and the Holograms wasn't there like some episode where they were all on drugs and stuff? Brave Star had a drug episode yeah. also. Yeah. About this drug called Spin. Yeah, GI Joe. There's a, a really terrible drug episode as well. Wow. I think it was mandatory for these cartoons back in the day. Yeah, yeah. 
the FCC or someone said, look, if yeah. you're going to be selling all these toys to kids, you at least have to have some sort of message. So no I, drugs. I wonder if that still happens, all those like anti-drug messages, because they went hard on kids in like in the 80s and stuff. Yeah. Like, there'll be like whole parts of school that were about that. I'd love to track down some of those after-school specials that were really dark about drug abuse. I, see, I remember one of this kid, his older brother was on drugs and wound up splashing bleach into the kid's eyes and he went blind and it was what? Just, <laughs> what is going on oh my god that's insane yeah they they would get pretty dark wow wow, Don't wow. do drugs so you guess most of my top movies okay was i wrong on any no no i mean those probably all go in it's funny you know i put empire strikes back in there for sure okay of all the star wars i like return of the jedi but that's not a popular opinion no i like return of the jedi as well yeah yeah but even beyond the Ewoks, I think Return of the Jedi has like the most monsters. And when you're a kid, you just want monsters. Yeah. And as like really good lightsaber fights. Oh, the Sarlacc scene's amazing. Yeah. All the Jabba's Palace stuff. Yeah. All right. Now you keep avoiding the subject. What are your top movies? I don't, that's weird. I don't really have a list though. It's like, yeah, like here, I'll, I'll, you just start saying movies and I'll give them a rating out of 10. Say any movie. <laughs> Goodfellas. Um, eight and a half. Lawrence of Arabia. Nine. Forrest Gump. I haven't seen it in a while. I'd say seven. Independence Day. Independence Day I haven't seen since theaters. It's probably a five. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. It's one of the higher Adam Sandler comedies. It's like a 6.5. Yeah, I'd say it's my favorite Adam Sandler movie. More than Click? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Crow. Uh, The Crow's a good movie. Eight, very stylized. Raging Bull. Raging Bull's like a nine. I like Taxi Driver more. Oh, okay. Would Taxi Driver probably make your top ten? It might, yeah, yeah. Maybe Taxi Driver is one of them. Rambo. Which one? One. First Blood. First Blood. Um, good movie. Um, probably seven and a half. I like Rambo First Blood Part Two also, even though it's much sillier. What about Jaws? Well, Jaws is an all-time classic. Probably like a nine. I figure, yeah, Jaws would have to be a top ten on most top ten lists. Right, yeah. Of any yeah. movie aficionado. Mm-hmm. I saw Jaws 3D first. Yeah, those the later ones are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Carrie. Um, Carrie is like one of my favorite movies, so I, I'm actually I might go with a, a ten on that, even okay. though that's higher than most people would. So that'd probably make top. That crack the top. It five. might. It might. I don't know. It, it, it's one of those movies that I watched really late at night when I was in high school. Like, holy crap, that movie just kind of like knocked my socks off. Yeah. Yep. Fight Club. Um, it's super well directed. Yeah, it's it's like it's an eight and a half. It's really good. This is fun, man. Yeah, <laughs> Shawshank. Shawshank I haven't seen since the theaters. Um, well, what do you think? It's like a seven and a half. It's a, people love it, though. I don't know. It's a good movie. I yeah, definitely. I I'd, I'd give it probably an eight. Okay. Okay. Back to the Future. Back to the Future is like a really good screenplay and super watchable movie. I, that's like yeah, I don't. Know. It's up there. It's like a nine. Please. These are all really good movies. You're asking me. Matrix Reloaded. Matrix Reloaded. Okay. Well, let's think about this. Um, it's definitely, the weird thing was the first Matrix was like the coolest movie at the time. And the two Matrix sequels are like the dorkiest movies. That's kind of weird how that happened. People hate like that big rave scene. I don't mind the rave scene. I think like a lot of Matrix fans just don't like seeing like raves because they can't relate to them. But there's way too much just kind of talking about things. <laughs> it kind of crawls up its own ass too much. The highway scene is really cool. That truck flipping over is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't think it, it's not the Matrix, and it's not really a complete movie in a way either. 
but I would watch it again. I actually kind of want to watch it again. I yeah. Th- I think it's like a, a seven. It, it has some cool moments. There's some great stuff, and it hints at the larger Matrix world, which I really like, and all this stuff with Agent yeah. Smith. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nightmare on Elm Street 1. Nightmare on Elm Street 1. It's probably an eight. Really good movie. Okay. Along the same lines, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th First is one. about a five and a half. Yeah. Do you have a favorite of those at all? Uh, I think part two is the best. Okay. Part two is the scariest. It has like the best main girl. And uh, part six is also pretty good, but just because it, it kind of is a satire of the, the series more. And Halloween? Halloween one? The original. Um, It's really good. It's uh, like an eight and a half probably. Okay. I'm loving this, man. Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. Um, super entertaining, but you got to be in the right mood for it. Okay. Um, I don't know. Seven and a half? What do you yeah. Think? See, that'd probably make my top ten. Really? Uh, yeah, that's that my John Carpenter's sweet spot right okay, there. Okay, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah, The Thing, though, is also incredible. The Thing's really great, yeah, yeah. What would you give that? That's like an eight, yeah. Okay, uh, Wes Anderson. Okay. Darjeeling Limited. Um, Might be like, it's one of his weaker movies. But Owen Wilson's really funny in it. I, I think it's like, uh, I, I liked it better the second time I watched it. I think it's about a seven, because it's better than most movies, but one of his worst movies. <laughs> okay. Uh, Gladiator. I don't know if I can rate that too clearly, so it's been a long time. But I don't know. What do you think? Like a, a six? I remember really liking it and finding it one of those films that, yeah, if it came on TV, I'd, just keep, I'd watch it, I'd watching it. Yeah, yeah. Does, uh, does a bit the, long. Does the CG hold up, do you think? Uh, what uh, was done as CG? I think they did all the stuff in the Coliseum when they just added extra crowds and stuff. Yeah, was and wasn't there like a, a tiger or something? Yeah, a lion, I think. Well, it has been a while. Yeah, I'd give, I'd give it probably a seven, seven and a half. Uh-huh. You have a favorite Bond movie? I like Casino Royale a lot, even though it's one of the new ones. Oh, yeah. That's great. I think it just kind of delivers everything. And yeah. I like the kind of the, the um, Daniel Craig brought James Bond in a new direction. I like From Russia with Love quite a bit, too, though. And I like uh, The Spy Who Loved Me a lot. I don't know. Yeah. There's a few of them. Who's your favorite Bond? Probably Sean Connery. Okay. What's your favorite Arnold movie? Huh. Well, it's probably Total Recall. nothing wrong with that (laughs) (laughs) kind of a strange choice but I I really like that movie no it's good favorite Bruce Willis movie Uh, I say it's Die Hard although although I like The Last Boy Scout a lot but that's kind of like an underdog I find it tell me if you agree with this Bruce Willis tends to be in really really great movies I would never say he's one of my favorite actors but I, he's in so many movies that I really like Die Hard Uh Fifth Element Pulp Fiction Pulp Fiction would be up there too Uh, yeah 12 Monkeys, yeah. He's, he's in all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Red was really good. I didn't see Red. Was oh, it good? Cool, yeah. Cool. I highly recommend. I recommend the Red. Yeah. Is Fifth Element one of your favorite movies? It would be close. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah. I do like Lupa Song a lot. Did he's you see great Lucy? Great director. I did see Lucy. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I thought it would have been a good X-Men movie. Uh-huh. Because the way that she got her powers was ridiculous. Yeah. Had they uh-huh. in- integrated some sort of mutant factor and it might have made a little more sense, but it was just fun <laughs> craziness. I, I got a sweet spot for his films. I really like, was it Lockout? Is that that space prison? Yeah, one? yeah, yeah. I or Lockdown. It. Was Lock- it Lockdown? I think Cal likes that movie. Yeah, that's a really fun movie. Actually, we patterned one of the scenes in Croc Monsieur. I was inspired. Uh, Levangie and I had been watching that movie. And, wow. Uh, there's a scene where Kevin Kincaid's character is, is punching me in, in the basement, and I'm all tied up, and that's based on a scene from that movie. Nice. Little inside scoop there. Wow, locked up. Yeah. Favorite Tom Hanks movie? 
Um, I'm trying to think of them all. One of his would crack my top ten. Is it Turner and Hooch? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, okay, well, let's let's think about this. He'd probably crack my top five, actually, for movies I've seen the most times. Tom Hanks movie. Mm-hmm. The Castaway. <laughs> what is it? No. Uh, the Lady Killers. No. Um, big. I feel like I'm forgetting a lot of Tom Hanks movies or something. His best one, his greatest film ever, greatest Tom Hanks movie of all time. Man with one red shoe. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Dragnet. <laughs> what is it? You're going deep, man. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Philadelphia. What else is there? Uh, the greatest it. Tom Hanks film of all time. <laughs> I Come feel on. Like, I feel like there's something super obvious. I'm forgetting. Uh, it's in my top five. Easy. Bonfire of the Vanities. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Joe versus the Volcano. Joe versus no. the Volcano, no. No. I saw that in the theater. Um, Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> You've got mail. <laughs> the Burbs. Oh, the Burbs. The Burbs. Why is that so much less, less more obscure? That's more obscure. No. <laughs> no, it's the greatest Tom Hanks movie of all time. His performance in it is amazing. I could probably quote Dante, the entire yeah. movie line for line. Yeah, Joe Dante. If people listening have not watched The Burbs, oh man, the such Burbs. an entertaining movie. I would watch that again. It's been a yeah. very long time. I for didn't me. even grow up in the suburbs, but I just love the idea of the neighborhood and everyone coming together and this mystery happening. I feel that movie's shot on this like fake street in the Universal lot where they shot like Desperate Housewives and stuff too. It's like always this the same kind of. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. It, it has been. It, it was on a lot. What was interesting, I guess there was a writing strike. A writer strike that year, uh-huh. and the Burbs only two movies got made on the studio. I think over a six or seven month period, huh. and the Burbs was one of them, and that's why they were able to get all such a great cast. They got Tom Hanks, they got Carrie Fisher, Bruce Dern, right, amazing right. Bruce Dern role, and mm-hmm. he was phenomenal in Nebraska. Yeah, I've yeah, seen Nebraska. I did see Nebraska. Yeah. It was quite good. Yeah, good film. Favorite Mortal Kombat movie. I've only seen the first, and it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it opening night. <laughs> Have you seen Mortal Kombat 2? I have seen. Yeah, it's terrible. (laughs) Okay, what's better? Problem child or ghost dad? (laughs) (laughs) Those are like the stupid videos that when your school had the Friday where you had to go to school, but there was nothing to do. The teacher would play ghost dad or problem child. And you'd get all these ideas to poison your babysitter or something yeah yeah problem child was pretty crazy what's here. the one with all the, the people barfing that was problem child too i think <laughs> <laughs> you watch that in school <laughs> is that gilbert Gottfried or is he in both of them uh, he's in the first for sure he might be in the second i don't know oh man yes yeah, <laughs> funny the stuff you remember did you see problem child too the barf scene was worth the price of admission <laughs> Yeah, those movies were so bad. You love a good barf scene in a movie. I used to be scared of barf seeing barf scenes in movies. <laughs> they're they're terrifying. It's because you can relate to them too much. Yeah. It's like, no, I don't want to see what's I can't watch them now. Yeah. The biggest barf scenes in movies, yeah, like Stand By Me is the big one. That was always a disturbing oh, scene. Oh, yeah. The, the, um, the pie eating contest? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's that scene even doing in the movie? What does it have to do with anything? It's like, it's it's just like goes someone like was minutes. like, hey, we just perfected barf <laughs> yeah. technology. We can have all these people barfing. It'll look real. Yeah, yeah. yeah that the was Exorcist, obviously. Exorcist, yeah. Witches yeah. of Eastwick has a big barf scene at the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Problem Child 2. Those are the big ones, guys. Somehow when you say barf, it's... A little, it eases the blow. Yeah, yeah. If you say puke, it's like, ugh. It's because you're projectile vomiting. It's like, ugh. But barf, it's like, oh, barf. 
you you forget between the times when you puke how like violent it is. Like it's a really kind of painful feeling, and you forget about that until you do it again. Like, man, the, <laughs> apologies the, to anyone listening who's hungover right now. When, when you puke, you're like, stomach you're like, ah, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I I do my best to avoid barfing whenever possible. <laughs> you should tweet that. <laughs> Okay, that. I'll tell you, I've never seen Gone with the Wind. Oh, okay. And I've never seen The Sound of Music. All right. But I, I, I keep meaning to see both of them, but Gone with the Wind is just too long that I'm like, oh, I don't think I have six hours to spare today. <laughs> so like, but yeah, I, I'll see them eventually. That was the biggest film of all time at one time. It was, yeah, yeah. It played at the Oxford as a matinee a while ago, but I have trouble like watching movies in the afternoon. Yeah. I like watching movies at night. I bet that would have played at the Capitol. Earlier, for the people listening at home, Mark and I were talking about the Capitol Theater, which was an old theater in downtown Halifax uh-huh. that was open from way before our time, like 1930 to 1974. And I feel like a lot of people in Halifax don't really know about this. But yeah. it, it, had, it had all these crazy uh, film premieres happen and live music and theater. I guess Leonard Cohen played there, Gordon Lightfoot. There's some famous wow. story or infamous story of Gordon Lightfoot apparently did a show there in the 70s, and he was so drunk, someone gave him a box of lobster, and he was really drunk on stage, and he tripped on this box of lobster, and he got so angry, picked, he started throwing the lobsters into the crowd. (laughs) The ushers had to come out and like help people with these covered in lobsters. Imagine like getting hit in the face with a lobster. (laughs) (laughs) But it was this giant theater, and I've seen pictures. And it looks like it was, you were entering some kind of palace and there was a real, it felt like that's when going to the cinema was really a major event. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's lacking so much when you go to these big box theaters that look the same in every city across North America. Everything just seems so watered down and the movie going experience. That's why I love a theater like the Oxford. You've got so much character to it or in Toronto you've got the Bloor Cinema you can go to or the Royal or any of these old review houses. But yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of these big theaters just sort of feel like they're like entertainment centers. It's like, you know, Halifax used to have a lot of these Oxford-type theaters. The Highland was one. The Capitol was one. There was the, the Paramount Theater on uh, Barrington Street. I remember like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think I saw some Robin Hood or something there. Yeah, yeah. Like the cartoon one. The cartoon Robin the Hood. Fox, yeah. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, Maid, yeah. Maid Marian was hot in that. <laughs> <laughs> was she a fox, too? Or was she a cat? She was, She's but, a fox, but, yeah. but they still made her attractive. <laughs> but, like, I feel like I was at that Paramount a lot. <laughs> Come on, man. You had to think for her, too. Oh, yeah. She was totally. No, she was a fox. <laughs> the, the, like, the summer of 1988, I was a kid. I remember being at the Paramount to see a lot of movies because I saw Police Academy 5, Crocodile Dundee 2. Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Coming to America all there. And so yeah, that was, that was a, a cool a cool spot to have. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like going to a movie now, I still like going to movies because like I find like it's hard to watch movies at home for me because I'm addicted to my cell phone as everyone is and you got to check for messages every two minutes. And I just like being in a theater where you're not allowed you to do unplug. that. Yeah, you yeah. got you to just turn off and unplug. Yeah, yeah. Live in the world again. Got to. Somehow yeah, news got around anyway before these things, you know, it's before true. Twitter, people just found out about stuff somehow. Yeah. Out of all the movies you've seen, would you say that there's a dominant genre? I, I, I would like to say that I don't like look at, I look at movies as just movies. I don't really, you know, either they're good or they're bad or they're interesting or they're not. Uh, it doesn't really matter to me too much what kind of movie it is. I know a lot of people only like certain movies. Like as a kid, I loved comedies. 
I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies then for the most part. I remember like being at the video store and you know you would look at the box and like my man if I saw this movie it would, it would probably kill me because <laughs> you had this idea that these movies were like so much more traumatizing than they actually ever were. Yeah. Um, remember when you're a kid and you'd be like watching TV like somehow you'd be at a sleepover or something and just up really late watching TV and then like the flag would come on and the TV would go blank like in Poltergeist <laughs> and, and you felt like you'd like done something bad like you'd cross into an evil like dimension or something. Like, <laughs> you like, crossed over to yeah, the other it's side. Like, it's like I shouldn't be here. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was like the weirdest. Yeah, yeah. What about sleepaway camp? Oh yeah, sleepaway camp. Um, that traumatized me and it, I was it traumatized like, grown me up too. when I saw it traumatized that. me too. Can we spoil sleepaway camp? If you can call camp? me a grown up. No, you can't. We can't. That's okay. the law of sleepaway camp. Okay, we if won't. you've never seen the movie Sleepaway Camp, you have to see it. No one is allowed to tell you what happens in that movie. That's true. But something happens in it. Something happens. <laughs> oh. My friend Matt Charlton, I was in university. We had a class together and he lent me this movie. He like knew I was into horror movies. It's like, yeah, man, it's pretty crazy. It's like, all right. So I was just like, this movie looks stupid. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I turned on Sleepaway Camp like late at night. And, you know, it's like a, a camp um, Friday the 13th. Yeah, everyone has very short shorts in it. <laughs> There's this girl named Angela at the camp who's always being picked on and she's sort of like uh, the outsider. But at the same time, there's all these murders happening and I'm watching the movie thinking, all right, if this twist ending everyone's talking about is that the killer is who I think it is and it's the most obvious thing in the world and that's not really that shocking. And then the actual ending comes on and you're like, oh my God. you got to spend like the next three hours online just reading reviews if everyone else was as disturbed as you were. It's like, <laughs> oh, wow. And yeah. there was a return to Sleepaway Camp not too long ago, a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. The director of Sleepaway Camp, um, he hadn't made a movie after Sleepaway Camp until Return to Sleepaway Camp, which came out in like 2008. It was a long time later. Yeah. He made that movie. And when you watch it, it still feels like this guy hasn't seen any movies released between Sleepaway Camp and now because it feels exactly the same. <laughs> it's, it's A lot of people didn't like Return to Sleepaway Camp, but I really liked it. I thought it was like kind of the best, even if accidentally, the best retro 80s movie like of that whole kind of style that there was. Yeah, I fully enjoyed it. I laughed my yeah, ass yeah. off the whole time watching it. I mean, that's, the, that's the type of horror movie that's just, whoa, this is just weird. Uh-huh. Where something like maybe Poltergeist, that's as, right, as right. a kid, I, I think I saw that too. I was too young to watch Boulder okay. Guys. So I was like, oh, you've never seen Boulder Guys here? Watch this. And it was a, some birthday party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I totally would, terrorized. Well, yeah, let me bring up two Disney movies that scared me. I forgot about this. One I saw at uh, Penhorn with my mom when I was six was Return to Oz. For his yeah, Have you that's seen this a creepy movie? movie, yes. Yeah, yeah, because Return to Oz has like, it's so much more sinister like even Wizard of Oz when you're a kid is a scary movie. That was probably one of the first movies I ever saw. Yeah, Return to Oz was terrifying. But Return to Oz is just like it's it's so grim and like you know she's given shock treatment at the start. But really, I think the part that sticks with kids. Well, there's two of them. One is like these uh, characters called the Wheelies, who just kind of like yeah. roll around Oz on these wheels and kind of like have these I'm chills crazy masks now, on yeah. and laughing and chase Dorothy around. And then there's like the uh, Princess Mombi. Is that her name or something? And she has like memory, yeah, that sounds right. She has replaceable heads. And there's this one part where Dorothy's stealing something from her as she's sleeping. I forget what it is. It's like a key or something. And the head the eyes. And the the heads all she has all the heads like lined up on the walls and they all wake up and start screaming her name. And that stuff's like terrifying when you're a kid. It was so terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if you know, and I'll drop this, maybe the listeners at home wouldn't know this, but I had a small role in a movie starring 
Oh, yeah. Feruza Balk. And I played a parking lot attendant. And Feruza Balk was going to the hospital and I had to like give her her ticket. <laughs> Whatever. The what? movie's called Grindstone Road. Very, uh, very obscure. This was probably this is late 2000s. Wow, wow. One of, my, uh, one of my small little acting roles. But I remember telling her when I met her, I said, I loved you in Return to Oz. <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, thank you so much. Because I think people yeah. talk to her about other movies They're or like, I don't know. You're but the crafter. Yeah, you know? I had such a crush on her yeah. when I was a kid from that movie. Oh, and, totally. Yeah, uh, yeah. And she was like, yeah, it was a pretty creepy movie. And she, t- she was saying, yeah, it was, it was a very, very creepy experience. But she was very <laughs> cool and remembered that movie fondly. So I always yeah, thought you, that was pretty sweet. You didn't bring up the island of Dr. Moreau. Huh? <laughs> no, or uh, what was it, Waterboy? She was the girlfriend of oh, yeah, Waterboy. Girl- and, that was weird casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and Return to Oz, and I read like Return to Oz was directed by Walter Murch, who edited Apocalypse Now. And I read some quote from him, and he said, "Yeah, like Disney wouldn't allow me to realize the full wrath of my vision. I'm like the wrath of your vision, Return to Oz. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but, yeah. I wonder what he would have really done. I don't had know. Had it not been a, a Disney movie, yeah, it makes you curious though. And the, another movie I saw in Toronto when I was a kid was uh, The Black Cauldron. I don't know if you ever saw that one. I've never seen that. No, it was an animated film, right? Yeah, it was like yeah. the highest budget animated Disney movie at the time, which, you know, it was like fantasy was huge in the mid 80s and Disney was trying to capitalize on that. And uh, uh, Black Cauldron was like their first PG rated cartoon. And apparently it was edited because like the first cut of it would have got a PG 13, but they had to cut out some like scenes of like The Walking Dead and stuff at the end. And that mm-hmm. movie was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's a cool adventure movie, but it definitely had some. Stuff like those Walking Dead images and just like dogs barking in people's faces and things that kind of like freaked me out as a kid. A little darker, yeah. A little darker, and like it didn't do well because apparently kids were like running from the theater screaming, and and Disney decided that the movie didn't exist anymore, and so it, it from 1985 when it came out in theaters until 1998, it wasn't like available at you all. Find it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Until it finally came out on VHS in 1998. I remember it briefly ran as a comic strip. And the, and the Chronicle Herald. Yeah, yeah I yeah. remember that too. That yeah, was yeah. the only way I knew about it. I didn't know what these characters were. Now I really want to track that down. I love a lot of those 80s fantasy It's a cool movie, yeah. If you like, like Masters of the Universe and stuff, it's, yeah. it's totally in that world. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. I'd also like to see Land Before Time again in like a good just to see if it looks good still. It's another sort of thought. Didn't they have like 10 Land Before Time movies? I remember yeah, just, yeah. I'd see them at the video stores. Like, when do they get to time? <laughs> Where is time start? Yeah. All right, I get it. You still haven't yeah. gotten to yeah. time. <laughs> I saw The Goonies in the theater. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now there's a movie I would have loved yeah. to see. In the I saw Gremlins in the theater because my mom thought Gremlins was going to be like E.T., because like they, they only advertised like the Mogwai part of it. Wow, how did she feel afterwards? Not good. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I was too scared by it, but I think she felt really bad about taking me to see it when I was five. Et kind of scared. Et's got some scared. Oh, totally. Moments. Yeah, yeah. When he meets Et in like the woods at the start and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And when Et gets sick. Yep. And Elliot gets sick. Yeah. Oh, some yeah. weird disease from Et. It's been a long time since I've watched that. It's a full blown emotional experience. Et. What's happening with you? What's what's coming up? Anything you can talk about? Secret projects? Um, I have some secret projects. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to write a book right now. I'm trying to get a TV show going. Um, I have a couple scripts that are either in 
early stages or else and finding out if we can get permission to do them stages. So I don't know. I'll just say like I have, I have things that'll be coming up soon. Sweet. But I'm just like, uh, um, I'm not sure if they all will work out or not, but there's enough, I, I'm, there's enough of them that some of them will. Well, I'm looking forward to whatever you cook up. Man. Well, thank you very much. Always looking forward to what you, what you've got with the Palermo brain is well, brewing. We'll, we'll bring that back to, to the, the Bergy shack. Yeah. We'll talk about it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where can people find you? I am on YouTube under just type in Mark Palermo. You'll see my face on some of those videos. I forget what my channel's called, but I'm also on Twitter as just like Mark Palermo is one word. And um, I guess that's probably, oh, I'm on Tumblr too as uh, the town of Grizzly Lake, which was the town where detention is set. Right on. And go listeners at home, go track down detention and watch it and enjoy it. It's not hard to find, but you have to watch it three times to get it. <laughs> but it's still it's still likable the first time. <laughs> not hard to find, but hard to watch just once. <laughs> Mark, man, thanks so much for coming by, oh, hanging out so on much. the weekend, oh, dude. This has time, been man. awesome. It has been good. All right, brother. Talk to weekend. you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bernstein. Burglar. Burglar. don't remember been in detention since at least last september and it ain't so bad i mean it beats having rabies and i'm kind of a legend like uh patrick swayze we're burglar no motivational speech please i'm not trying to go and incubate a degree Jeez. my bargaining please just didn't suffice because i got busted for more crib notes and fisher price it isn't right like making out to oasis or wearing skinny jeans so tight they show hey miss that's hardly a lie, I'm not gonna change things like Marty McFly So when the teacher inferred I was an exhibitionist That was a bad idea, like sleeping next to pigeon shit Listen to this, I was just proving her right Took off my shirt and said, let's get a room for the night And it's just another day for the detention veteran A record in suspensions, get him on letterman Never been president or valedictorian And I wouldn't change it with the time travel delivery just another day for the detention veteran. No record in suspensions. Get him on Letterman. Never been president or valedictorian. That wouldn't change it with the time travel DeLorean. This has been a presentation of the Modern Superior Media Network. 